When life bumps up against you, you have the choice to pucker up and put on a sour face or mix it up with ingredients like resilience, persistence, and grace into the delectable concoction only you can serve. We are Greer McVeigh and Whitney Wiley, speakers, authors, and entrepreneurs. We're also sisters, and since we were children, we've made a habit of turning challenges into the lessons and launch paths of our lives. Each week, we'll discuss the recipes that will turn your biggest challenges into the building blocks of the successful and fulfilling life of your dreams. On occasion, we'll include experts and thought leaders who'll join the party and you're always invited to. Join us as we share the sweet highs and sour lows and every drop of life in between. Along with our guests, we help you shake and stir your own lemons into lemon drops. Welcome to the Life, Lemons, and Lemon Drops podcast. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Life, Lemons, and Lemon Drops. I'm Whitney Wiley. I'm Greer McVeigh. How are you, Whitney? I'm fabulous today. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> if I say it enough times, I'll start to believe it. You know, I've moved again. I do know you moved over the last weekend. And, you know, I will I say challenge. moving has to be up there. I think I'd rather have a root canal. <laughs> so moving is just one of those things. It's just at the top of the list of things that you know, one just doesn't want to do, but I had new uh, beginnings, new beginnings. I'm trying to look at the positive and I'm, I'm, well, I'm somewhat settled, although not quite settled because as you know, uh, we're staying with a friend while my home is being built. Um, so that's, and if you say those words loosely, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, hopefully the, the house will part, the, the hopefully the, the part. hopefully the house will get back on schedule. It's delayed um because there's a lumber shortage and there's a steel shortage and <laughs> there's just so there's so much going on. Um but it, you know the the move itself moving is, you know, packing and you know, calling out stuff you don't want. All of that is is certainly, you know, challenging and it's time consuming and it's lifting boxes and all that. It's backbreaking. But I hired a mover and this actually uh, fits in sort of to the, the topic that we're, we're going to discuss today. But um, I hired a moving company and for starters, they were scheduled to arrive at 9 a.m and showed up at 3 p.m. And, and then worked until, you know, I don't know, 11 p.m., but didn't finish and had to work again the next day. And every single person that I know who I have, re, you know, told this story to, which is anybody who would listen, <laughs> but everybody is like, I wouldn't pay them. <clears throat> and it's like, well, I have to pay them. They worked. They just didn't work 
as agreed. They didn't work timely. They didn't work. And it, it appears that the movers, the, not the owner of the company, um, but the movers themselves had done another job. So the owner of the company claimed that all the movers who were scheduled to do my move all called in sick. Like, uh-huh, okay, whatever. And so he pulled some other movers, some movers that were on another job. When they finished that job, they came over and did my job. So they were so worn out. They're worn out. It was, I don't know, 90 degrees. It's three o'clock. You've already done a, you know, a move somewhere else. Oh my God. And they were like dragging and couldn't figure stuff out. They didn't know how to disassemble the bed. It was the most, I'm not even going to go into it now. Although I will say that I was like spying on, I was like taking video of them sitting down and I'm taking pictures (laughs) and I'm like, okay, I got to use this somehow. But I just was, um, completely just the whole thing was just so upsetting for obvious reasons. And the idea of how do I, you know, where are my boundaries? Where is, how do I make myself okay in this situation? And I found myself in a, in a, in a position where what I would normally do or want to do, I couldn't really do, right? How am I going to Say, you know what, forget you. I don't want you when I've got a U-Haul truck. I got a 26 foot U-Haul truck parked outside and it isn't like I can just get some other movers on a dime, right? No, that is so, true. That is true. So well, yeah. I probably could go to Home Depot and get some day laborers, but you know, the guy kept stringing, oh, they'll be there any minute. They'll be there any minute. And it just... It's, it's one of those things where at some point you have to stand up for yourself and say, you know, I'm going to demand X, Y, Z. And I don't know if the situation might have been different if I were, were a man. No, maybe. Maybe not. Maybe. I don't know if it would have, if I sounded like, you know, I was, you know, I had big money to throw around. Well, I'll give you double, just no. get them here. It probably is a combination of a lot of things and people, some people, not all people. And I, and I honestly believe this, not all people, but some people will take advantage as far as they can, particularly when they feel they have you over a barrel. And at this particular point in time, you're right. It's, it's not like you can just, you know, hire somebody at the drop of a dime that you could get rid of your U-Haul truck and and have some other crew there in, you know, 20 minutes or something. But as we move into this discussion about boundaries, the bottom line has, the bottom line is, and then you have to make some decisions (laughs) about how you want to maneuver this, the bottom line becomes if you're going to assert your boundaries, you have to be willing to maybe sometimes suffer some consequences that are painful, right? In order to stand up. So you you end up- So I'm just going to prove my point. I'm going to cut well, off my no, nose to you my face. Up, you end up, well, maybe, but you end up having to weigh whether or not you know, the one thing, you know, 
what do you, what is it that, that what's the um the analogy um it's not kettle pot but you know whether the one thing is better don't or let worse. perfection be the enemy of the good I there, don't know. certainly there's that <laughs> it'll come to me at some point it'll come to me but it, yes you have to decide if if you had said well it's 10 o'clock, they haven't arrived. I'm gonna start looking for other options. I don't know if you did or didn't, not really important right now. But at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock, do you start looking for other options? Do you say, you know what? I, I don't know if these people are ever showing up. He keeps saying they will, they haven't. I don't, obviously he's not trustworthy. The, the owner of this company is not trustworthy. Um, and so as you were sitting there trying to figure, you know, trying to decide whether or not to trust him, what other options do you have? And so it may be that there's a partial assertion of your boundaries, there's a full assertion of your boundary, or you just go, I'm just going to roll with whatever this is and see what I can get out of it. But, but unfortunately in life, that's sort of where we are, right? We are constantly weighing the options and the consequences of our choices and asserting our boundaries, particularly in an attempt to protect our well-being is one of those things that's a, a real challenge. And so in last week's episode, I talked about uh, the situation with Naomi Osaka. Mm -hmm. and um, her backing out of the French Open because of, um, you know, her particular mental and emotional state, what she felt like she needed to do that was best for her, which started off simply as, I'm not going to do the press conferences. What I understand and I'm not going to rehash all of last week's episode. Please go back and listen to that. But what I understand is that there was some communication from her uh, directly to the, the French Federation, Tennis Federation. Um, they claimed they tried to reach her, couldn't reach her, went out to her practice court and did some other things to try to resolve. They couldn't. And so they escalated. Uh, and certainly I want to talk um, about communication, whether or not she communicated in the best way she could, whether or not they communicated in the best way they could, you know, ultimately is for, you know, professionals like you to discuss and debate and then tell clients down the line, do this or don't do that, right? Here's a case yeah. study. Here's a case study of what not to do or a case study of what to do. Um, and so whether or not the communication parts of this were spot on or not, ultimately she made a decision to stand for what she felt was in her best interest to protect her wellness and well-being. Um, and then I run across this article on um, an Australian swimmer who dropped out of the Olympics, right? And so her story is, uh, her name is Maddie Groves. And the, because of pervs. She said, because of misogynistic perverts. I don't know the whole story. It's not 
in anything that I have seen thus far, but she find, finds herself in, a, it sounds like a culture, right? Not just, yeah. it's not just a situation, but it's a culture of being- it's Like the girls' treated. gymnastics exactly. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You're being treated a particular way because people feel like they can. And until someone steps up and does something, it's not going to change or you go back to the Me Too movement, right? And but also, let me just interject, let me just interject that this is not, you know, it's the same thing with male college athletes, right? Or not being yes. paid. Yes. Or, I mean, with people basically feeling that whatever they're, they don't have agency over their own They feel as if- body Right, because the situation, their talent, their sport, their whatever their talent is, someone else is compelling them to do something. They're not being properly recognized or empowered to do whatever. And I guess part of what you're saying is you are empowered. You (laughs) are. He's going to tell you how to exercise that power. The challenge is until the first person, it's hard right? It's hard. It's hard to say no when saying no will keep you from what you want. It's hard to say no when your job is at risk, when your um, maybe some relationships are at risk. But you have to ask the question, is whatever that is that's at risk more important than your mental health and maybe starting all over again? I don't know. Obviously, Naomi Osaka doesn't have to start at, you know, junior tennis and and start from scratch. And that's not what I'm saying. Um, But she's not going to be in the French Open. Well, apparently she doesn't do well in the French Open anyway. So which is which then? Yeah. Which is part of, I think, the issue for her, right? She hasn't performed well there. Um, th- this Maddie Grove is a silver medalist. You know, not a gold not, medalist. She's not a gold medalist. Maybe that would be different. I don't, I don't know. And, and I'm not speaking to where they are in the process. You're but, not accusing them of, using, of, of manipulating their no, lack of... Not. Absolutely. Preparation or lack of likelihood of winning. No. To, you know, that, that's fair. No, absolutely not. Um, and to Venus Williams' point, I, you know, I don't have, I don't hold a candle. <laughs> I don't hold a candle to them in tennis or, or swimming. And so for me to, you know. Yeah, Venus is like, yeah, the, the naysayers and the haters out there, the way she know. deals with the negativity is she's like in her own head you know what you are not you know one of the top players you can't beat me you don't even know how to play as well as and some of and and you have to have we do know how to play and i say you and i should challenge venus and serena okay when when they're 90 and we be to a death match because we we both die on court disease and we're younger than them we'll do that um So, but to your point about male athletes, you know, NCAA college athletes and the like, it is absolutely the case that there is some self-efficacy, but the the challenge is somebody has to be like the first person to go, 
right? And we saw that in the Me Too movement. We saw that with Harvey Weinstein. We saw that with we saw it with we've seen Colin, that over. Well, we saw it also with Colin Kaepernick. It, all of that, right? Who was the first one? Not the first. I mean, obviously, it goes back decades. Muhammad Ali's, and you know, yes. But somebody has to be the first one that says, "I'm putting whatever it is I have on the line because this is." the right thing to do, whether it's directly for me or other people, the greater good, whatever it is. And until someone does that, other people, you know, everybody else is sort of protecting, which is understandable. That's the way we're built to protect, um, to self be self-defensive, um, to protect what we have financially, mentally, emotionally. But at the same time, you have to stop and look at the long-term consequences. And one of the things that I think about when I think of like Hollywood, uh, entertainers, athletes, people who are in the public eye, and this happens to, this happens to regular people as well. They mm -hmm. cannot handle what they're going through. We've got alcohol abuse, you know, drug abuse, all these addictions that people have because they cannot handle mentally and emotionally what they're going through. And instead of cutting off the source because there's something in that source that that status quo, right? That is, this is the devil I know, so to speak. And if I go this other route and stand up for myself, what will people say? What will people think? Well, they're going to say that anyway, to the degree that people are going to be talking about you. Um, they're going to say that anyway. And what has turned out in this case for Naomi Osaka is, I, I think, mostly positive understanding of what she's going through, particularly from other athletes who probably have that same sense of if I could look out for my better interests, my, my mental and emotional interest, um, it would, it, it, things would be better for me. Athletes are often looked out for their physical well-being, right? Your actual ability to do what you are here to do, but no one's really looking out for their emotional health health. And so I say that boundaries, and that's what we're talking about here today, is boundaries, how to, how to figure out what your boundaries should be, how to assert them, um, and then how to make sure that they're honored. And one of the things that I'm saying to my clients all the time about their boundaries is, uh, particularly in a work situation, if you don't honor your boundaries, no one else is going to honor your boundaries. And so over the course of this last year with COVID, people working at home, um, I've got a, 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 a speaking opportunity that I'm doing for a major company um, in the near future. And this is going to be the topic of conversation, right? This, this, this notion that the employees don't feel like they have the ability to set any boundaries around work in their work day and they're constantly working. They're not taking breaks. They are working into the evening. 
Um, they are taking emails and text messages from colleagues and bosses at all hours because they feel like they have to. And do you own your time between nine and five? You own your time. And so one of the you, yes, you or own whatever your, your hours are. You own, yes, you own your time. And, um, but even, or does a person paying you for your time own your even, time? But even during the workday, even during the workday, you're entitled to breaks, right? That's law. Yeah. You know, so that, that you feel as if you cannot take breaks or people make you feel like you can't take breaks. That is, um, one, that's illegal. But somebody has to, and, and no one wants to be the person that, that challenges their boss on that, right? So that becomes the issue. I don't want to be the one who tells. So me. is the issue more about bosses that bully and that, you know, and that um, make their employees feel, uh, that subject their employees to a sort of a tyrannical environment? Or is it the employee's responsibility to stand up for him or herself? Well, if the employees don't stand up and challenge the boss in some sort of way, how will the boss know that the boss is doing something the boss should not do? So you know, yes, you're absolutely know. right. Absolutely right. It is incumbent upon bosses to create environments that help their employees be. Yeah, they should be saying, everybody, make sure you take a break. And if you need to have they some be. Of, uh, procedure for how to do that, you know, when you're offline for lunch, put a, you know, a change your outgoing message to say, you know, I will be unavailable until, and don't check your, you know, but if you've got a boss who's checking their emails and sending emails at midnight, and I, I know many bosses and I know people who have bosses and colleagues who are sending them emails and messages at, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, and if they get up, first of all, I have my phone, my do not disturb on my phone. Well, I, I don't, it doesn't start. It's from 10 until 7 a.m. Um, so I'm not usually checking, but a lot of people don't. So they hear that ping and then it's it's almost like a, Pavlov, a Pavlovian thing, right? <laughs> they jump up and they get to work. But you so, choosing not to turn that off is a choice. Yeah. So, and I'm saying people yes. should do that, but bosses also, and, and maybe what you do in a non-confrontational way, rather than to, you know, lay down the law with your boss or be, you know, defensive or confrontational with your boss, maybe the solution is a little more along the lines of, hey, I'd like to recommend that we do blah, blah, blah. When you're offline or between, you know, and negotiate a time, 7 p.m. and 7 a.m. or 6 p.m. or, 5, you know, 9 and 5 and 5 to 9, whatever, that we as a company don't do X, Y, and Z. And, you know, because it's probably in your boss's interest as well to not be working. You know, if you guys are doing the job, obviously you need more employees if you can't get the job done between, you know, in a normal business day. No, no, yes, you're right. Other than special there, occasions or something where things yes. are okay. without getting into the how 
the the tone should be respectful. This tone should be non-confrontational, but without getting into that aspect, the, the bottom line is that if you've got a boss or an environment that is not working for you, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's not working for other people, including your boss, right? And yeah. everyone has some um, sense that if they don't do X, Y, Z, that somehow everything falls down. And that one is not the case, right? People go on vacation all the time. People leave jobs and, and new people come and replace them in businesses don't go out of business. So, you know, th this notion that only you can, and if you don't do everything right now, that somehow the world will come crashing down. And well, that says more about you and your leadership, right? That, that, yes. you that there isn't an environment or a, uh, a level of, of, uh, of success or operational excellence that would enable you to be offline for an hour, a day, or whatever. Certainly, certainly. And so, but the, your point is well taken. It has to start with a conversation, right? Well, th that aspect starts with a conversation. Before you get to the conversation with your boss, you've got to figure out what it is that you need, what it is, what boundaries it is you are actually looking to establish. Because if you are not clear about that, whether it's end of the what, what's the end of your workday or that you're going to take breaks during the day when it makes sense, you know, um, if you're not going to be clear about what it is you want, then you're going to have a hard time having a conversation. So once you get clear on what it is you need, what it is, what boundaries it is, that you want to establish, then yes, it's time to have a conversation with your boss. It needs to be a respectful conversation and it should be not a whining, complaining um, conversation. It should be about solving a, a problem. And to the degree that it is about more than just you and that you can bring other people into it, do that. I would say just because there aren't other people stepping up and saying they're having similar problems doesn't mean that they're not. They just may not be at, at the place you are and willing to talk about it um, for whatever reasons. But you've got to be willing to have a conversation. You're an adult, your boss is an adult, and take the time to, to talk about expectations right? And what it is your boss expects and what it is you expect and how you can get those expectations met within the confines of the boundaries that you want to set. So if that includes taking breaks during the day, which you are legally entitled to, by the way, I am not your lawyer, but I'm just saying, um, or the parameters of a work day. Right. And as we are working from home, everyone knows that there are distractions and challenges that go along with that. And there's a give and take. Right. So if I'm home and I've got something else happening to have the flexibility to take an hour to a, to address that and then stay at work an extra hour or until the work is done. 
Right. You have a conversation about what that looks like. Well, you know, and I and I hear you. I wholeheartedly agree. And I when this Naomi Osaka thing first hit, my you know my I agreed with her. I I understood what she was saying, and I thought, you know, yeah, good for her. But it quickly sort of took on for me at least a sort of a whiny sound. It's like you're the top player. You're the number one player in the world. You're the top earning player. I don't know if she's number one, ranked number one right now or not. Um, but she certainly is a top player, right? And it's like, you're going to, you, you know, I'm not doing media interviews. There's a penalty. Fine, whatever. So she took that first hit, that $15,000 penalty. Then apparently the they're like, well, if you continue down this path, we're going to find you again. And eventually we may kick you out of the tournament. And then she's like, you know what? To hell with you guys. I'm going to kick myself. I'm leaving. Okay. It's like, okay, just do it. I, I guess for me, it, it, it was, I, I don't quite understand the victimhood of, you make your decision. You've established a boundary. For her, it was a mental health thing. She's, um, you know, and you talked about this, but she's very much, um, uh, 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 it sounds like almost paralyzed with, with angst. Public speaking is enough. We're having to do public speaking, which is, which is fine. It's like, I'm a tennis player. I'm not a public speaker, right? And we do make assumptions about celebrities being able and willing and comfortable being in the spotlight because you're in the spotlight you play tennis on some of the biggest stages or you play basketball or you you know uh, uh, solve you know rocket science or whatever it is whatever your expertise is you do it you know on such a global scale on such a big way that we just sort of assume right that it's like oh yeah whatever you're you know you're comfortable in this you know being put in that spotlight and that's not necessarily the case so fine so she stood up for herself she was like you know what I can't I can't do this I can't you know she can't, I can't perform I can't even play as well because in the back of my head you know, whether this started when they booed her when she beat Serena at the US Open, I guess is sort of where it really became a problem. You know, I get that, but it's like, okay, you've made your stance, be done with it. Why and do she we did? She did exactly that. She made her stance and she was done with it. She hasn't said anything since then. We're talking. She's not still talking. She made her stance, she set her boundaries right? Someone challenged that boundary. She's like, okay, I'm honoring my boundary. And so whatever the consequences are with that, I'm, I'm out. And I'm saying that is the way it should be. It's unfortunate that that is what it is, but yeah. that is the way. It and you're be. right. She got all the positive, right? Because after that, the, uh, the Comb app, it's like, we're going to pay your fine. 
and we're going to pay everybody's fine. If people are, are, you know, getting fined and penalized for, obviously it's a marketing Taking thing care for of them, but it, you know, for, for addressing their mental health and their, you know, mental and emotional needs, the call map is like, that's what we do, right? <laughs> so they found a space to slide on in there. Right. Which, uh, you know, is a great thing. I'm like, you be careful what you offer because, you know, <laughs> there could be a lot of fines coming down the pike. And I don't know who, I didn't see exactly whose fines they're willing to pay. Because if I, you know, quit my job or, or you know, yeah, somehow I don't, think, my I don't fine. think your fines are included. <laughs> my fines are not included in the but, call map. Yeah, so the... I think there's two points of what you're and saying. And you're right. We are the ones talking about it. And that is a distinction right. that's sometimes hard to uh, to recognize, right? We blame a lot of people, a lot of celebrities for a lot of stuff. And it's like, they haven't done that. It, it, yeah. That's right. the rest of us. Right? It, it, it is okay. the rest of us. Fair enough. And, and I think that's, you know, maybe a conversation that needs to be had at another time. But the, this, the, she stepped out she walked away this australian swimmer is like i'm stepping out here's the reason why i'm going on about my business and then the the rest of us are left sort of speculating and and it reminds me a little bit and i don't want to go down this road but i, I just want to mention this it's a conversation we can have later because i know you're kind of into this but uh prince harry right and his mental health issues and trying to stand up for himself and the backlash that has come where people think just because you're in a position of privilege or wealth or something that somehow that exempts you from the challenges. The only thing I think that does is makes resources available for you to get help. That doesn't necessarily mean that you get to where you need to be. And so- that's And especially another, in his case, and I'm not going to get into it, but in enough, his yeah. case, because he's a celebrity, a lot of times you can't, you have the money to pay for the help, but to get the help, which is where the sort of the stigma comes in, right? right? It's like, I'm a part of the royal family. What am I going to do? Go down to, you know, call the EAP program and say, hey, I need and, some, and, and I want to call Kaiser. And they should. But and then that's they, cultural. But yeah. And then that's a cultural thing, right? Which is that culture is sort of stiff upper lip. You just deal with it, right? Which explains the unhappiness you see on the face of everybody in that family. Another conversation for another time. Um, but th that he is also highlighting this, this sense that um just because you see what you see doesn't mean it's all rainbows and unicorns. And I have to do, ultimately, we all have to do what we have to do to protect our mental and emotional health. And until we do that, we're going to continue to see situations where people are addicted, where people are showing up in the workplace, you know, with guns. And, you know, it was a couple of weeks ago at a UPS or FedEx, you know, facility, right? It, it, People not handling whatever the stresses are that they are going through. And then the rest of us have to find a way to, to extend a little more grace, a little more understanding 
that everybody's going through something. Some people handle it well. Some people are not handling it at all. They're bottling it up. And some people are doing the best they can to try to deal with it, right? So there's this whole spectrum of how the stresses that we go through are being handled. And I, and I just want to pull this back to sort of this sense of boundaries and in the workplace in particular is that you've got to get clear about what it is that's important to you and what it is you're protecting right? And having a conversation. So if Naomi Osaka had a conversation with her boss, which she doesn't really have one, but the Tennis Federation, which is sort of the, the, the governing body that mm-hmm. controls that tournament, she says she reached out. Um, I'm not clear if it did or didn't, but it, it, a conversation has to be had. Prince Harry claims that conversations were had, nothing was done. Um, whether or not this, this um, uh, growth, whether or not she talked to the Olympic committee or whomever, you know, I don't know, but th- that has to be the first place that you start, right? But if that's also the place that is the source of your problem, but that, but which that was the case in, you know, is okay, the case in but most But you can't instances. go beyond them to solve your problem until you've at least approached them. And yes, that's hard. I'm saying it's hard. I get it. It's hard. It but is, I don't know. I mean, are you saying that you would go to your... You have to have a conversation. You've got to go up the chain of command. Hmm. You have to at least try, right? At least once. You have to at least try, have a conversation with you, whether it's your direct supervisor or the tennis federation or whatever, the firm, you know, the, the firm royal body, whatever. You have to have a conversation and say, here's what I'm going through. Here's how I think, you know, you, you approach it with a problem solving mentality. Here's how I think we can, you know, address this and see what happens. If it doesn't happen, then, okay, take it to social media, take, put it on Twitter. Cause right. Twitter will shame everybody into doing everything. So you, but you gotta be clear about what it is you want. And then you've got to be willing to start having conversations about how to address it. People are not going to honor your boundaries if you don't honor your boundaries. And so getting back to- if you don't know what they are or- Because they're uncommunicated. They They don't know what they are. And to your point about, you know, bad bosses, none of them have ever looked in the mirror and said, oh, I'm a bad boss. I need to make some changes, right? Yeah, that doesn't happen. Um, And when someone tells them they're a bad boss, they don't tend to- They don't tend to- So if you find yourself in this situation, what I'm saying is get clear about what you want and need, start having conversations. and then don't apologize for sticking to the boundaries, right? They are there for you. And you don't apologize for doing what you need to do to look out for yourself. The, the challenge, though, is that you've got to get to that place where you acknowledge and accept that it may not go well for you in doing this. 
and yeah. you've got to weigh. So you're uh, weighing the pros and the cons, and you're and you make a decision. Yes. And ultimately, what you're saying is your mental health, your mental well-being, your emotional well-being, your physical well-being has to have at some point you I mean you it's for us all to determine but at some point you have to give it as much weight as a as a buck as the buck that you're gonna yes. earn or not because you earn. can always you can earn a buck yeah. a whole bunch of different ways maybe you don't get to earn the exact same amount of bucks you have right now I think we're so worried about the consequences right yeah. um, and none of the consequences are maybe necessarily pretty you know, not being able to pay your bills, losing your house. You know, I, I get that. But maybe, maybe, right, this particular set of things that you have that you're working so hard to protect are not of the utmost importance when your mental health is at risk. And I, it's not for me to say yes or no. You have to decide that. But take a step back and, and make a decision. I'll, I'll share a personal story. Um, well, wait a minute. Why don't we, why don't we take a quick break and then you tell your story? Well, we're back. And so, so here's the story. Um, and it's, it's a financial story and it's not pretty, but it is what it is. So I was in a situation where I was looking to purchase a house, right? I'm setting myself up for the, the potential of um, purchasing a house. And at the time I was um, deep, 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 deep in debt for lots of reasons, none of which are particularly good. Um, but the, it was, that's the consequences, the consequence of choices that I made. Um, and at the same time, I was creating this sense of stress on myself because I was so interested in, or so focused on, um, protecting my credit because I wanted to buy a house that it was creating for me health issues. The emotional issue. I was stressed all the time, worrying about, you know, this even more negative consequence than just being in debt from decisions I'd made, things that I'd purchased um, that I did or didn't need or really want. And there came a point in time where I had to have a come to Jesus meeting, I, I sit down with Whitney and say, you can continue down this path, right? So one, I had to make some, some changes to how I was choosing to spend um, and the mechanisms I was using to spend that were above and beyond my means. But the other part was letting go of this, the, the, the worst case scenario which was that I was going to end up in bankruptcy. And so when I stopped to think it, like really think it through, right? Get over the emotional part of this is, this is how I'm going to feel. This is what people are going to think. And the 
true get to the truth of the matter, which is, and I didn't file bankruptcy, but the truth of the matter was the worst thing that was going to happen was that there were going to be some negative marks on my credit report. Right. I mean, in reality, that was the, the worst thing that was going to happen. Wait a minute. So you're saying that you, that just the stress and anxiety of people kill themselves getting, over being in your, debt. Yes. Getting your, but no, no. My question was, was it the stress and anxiety of the debt or the stress and anxiety over keeping it all together and keeping the bills paid? Keeping it all together in order to protect the credit in order so that I could buy a house, right? Yes. Yes. And, and, um, in juggling things and, you know, sort of robbing Peter to pay Paul and, and all of that. Okay. And, um, it was more, it was getting to be more than I could, I personally felt like I could bear. And Mm -hmm. there came a point in time where I simply said to myself, if the worst thing that's going to happen is this, you've created this scenario unnecessarily, right? And and I'm I'm not saying that it's not important or that it's trivial. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. having bad credit is not the worst thing that ever happened to someone. And you can make other choices and turn that around and get good credit um, and then buy a house and or whatever else it is that you want to do. So the, the bottom line is life is not all limit drops. Right. It it doesn't start out as all lemon drops. We go through things. There is the sour. There is the the crap, the the shit that we have to trudge through to get to the other side, to get to the lemon drop. And we have to be willing to get real about what that is and and not just exaggerate it to the you know, to, to the worst case scenarios that most things do not land in worst case scenarios. They land somewhere short of that, um, between where you are in the worst case scenario. And once you realize that, and for me, and maybe this happens to a lot of you, um, for me, it's like, if it's not going to kill me, then it's something that I can get through. Right. And having gotten through what I consider the darkest time of my life, that didn't kill me. I'm going to get through. It's just going to become a matter of putting one foot in front of the other, coming up with a plan, making some decisions, and then taking action. And being willing for things to be uncomfortable and maybe even extremely uncomfortable in moving in that direction. It was the same thing with my job when before I left and I was unhappy and stressed um, and concerned. If I leave my job, how will I pay my bills? How will I keep this house that I worked so hard to get, right? How will I do these things if I do, if I do that? Um, if I walk away from my job, will I ever get another job that will pay me this well, that will allow whatever perks I had 
to continue. And, and we're so wrapped up in that stuff that we put our mental and emotional and physical health at risk in order to protect some things that maybe when you really stop to think about it, don't need to be protected as much as you think they do. Um, and it's okay to start over again. So, well, um, you know, I just, let me just throw one. I just want to underscore a point that you made. And it's interesting because we do this, this podcast, Life, Lemons and Lemon Drops. And what we do is we find some of the lemons in life, right? Things that didn't go your way, things that didn't go well, problems that people have, generally they're problems that are somewhat universal so that you know everybody can find some element of whatever the, the challenge is that applies to them. And we come up with, um, you know, or we present, I don't shouldn't say we come up with because most of what we come up with are uh, tried and true. They're things from experts and uh, uh, therapists and analysts and, 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 and so forth. So we present those sort of the steps that you might take to get from whatever the problem is to get to the other side, the lemon drop, the lemonade, the, you know, the sunshine, the rainbows at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, it is important to know that life and you know finding the lemon drop doesn't come in a nice neat episode right Correct. i just want to underscore that it's like oh we do this episode whether we talk for 30 minutes or an hour or somewhere in between or a little longer um you know and we've had guests on who share their story and how they got to the other side but it's yeah it isn't it it just doesn't happen and I, I talk to so many people who are frustrated because it's like dragging on and on and on. And it's like, sometimes it may be years. You know, people go to therapy or to counseling yes. or they struggle through something or whatever. The problem that they're trying to overcome is not something that can easily be resolved, right? Maybe you do find yourself in a, in a job that you don't like and that is soul zapping and, and, and energy zapping and all that, but you can't leave. You do have bills to pay. You've got mortgage, right. you've got kids right. in school, you've got, you know, whatever it is. So you may have to endure yes. until you can, such time that you could leave and put yourself in a different position. Then what we're trying to do in that instance would be, okay, well, while you're there, try these things, these coping techniques right. and these, you know, sort of setting some boundaries, set boundaries, putting a plan or, together. Yes. yes. And yes. the other things that sort of give you hope while you're waiting yes. to, to get to the other side. So I just want to just sort of in terms of, you know, setting level set or setting expectations and just help people know you're okay. And, you know, it isn't, it may be a problem, but you're not alone. You know, if you find that your problems aren't wrapped up nice and neat with a bow at the end of, you know, 45 minutes, it's, few, it's it, it, a good point, know. good point, because few people's are, yeah. right, 
few people and if and if they are then good good for you well all your problems can be solved (laughs) yeah exactly we want you to be a guest on the show if your problems are wrapped up for 45 minutes in a nice neat bow and you're drinking a lemon drop by the end of the day i will i will say this at this point in my life having gone through the things that i've gone through the challenges um I am much closer to 45 minutes than I am to 45 years or 45 months um, even. So, okay. I think 45 days or 45 weeks, <laughs> hopefully, you know, or I'm a 40, I'm a 45 week girl or, <laughs> like, or, for, my or bigger even problems are like 45 weeks or even my lesser problems. Weeks. I'm just saying I'm probably closer to even 45 minutes than 45 days just because of but it's taken time and work it's taken 45 years maybe that's what we should have a scale it's taken 45 years to get to a point where I've gotten (laughs) closer to 45 minutes right and so it it wasn't easy but maybe that's what people need to do is uh, prioritize your problems right do you have a 45 minute problem a 45 hour 45 days weeks or years i i would imagine that most people don't have a 45 year problem right the only thing that's like a 45 year problem is you well, you know, yes. I mean, and what you are you waiting for? Problem. Unless you're waiting for death. I mean, there's nothing, you know, there should, right. You have a bad marriage or whatever. If it's so bad that just like, you know, till death does part and I got to wait until I'm 90 so that, you know, one of us can die and I can get out of this, then you know what? Divorce may be a better option. And that becomes a 45 week. <laughs> that becomes a 45 week problem. So, you know, there aren't, I don't, you know, or maybe, you know, if you've got some. No, there's, there's health or some health or, you know, physical limitations. There's some Otherwise, there aren't 45 year problems. So there's some wisdom. We've at least solved that. That's perspective and that's context, right? Which is one of those things that. And 45 months is what? Four years ish? Ish. Yeah. Right. So. So, you know. Go get a degree. You get a degree in 45 yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so get clear on what it is you want. Constantly saying that. I'm never going to stop saying that. Yeah. Um, have conversation with yourself, with, with your boss, with your partner, with whomever is in a position to help you. Um, do not apologize for what you need and for taking care of yourself first it's important and then I just want to leave this that that you make time um, to reset recharge rejuvenate um, and that you look at the the bigger picture of life and um, all that it brings so um, it's not only about the problems right? Whether it's a 45 week problem or a 45 minute problem. It's not all about that. Look at a bigger context. And so um, as Greer let go today, we laughed about it. She let go of her. It was a 45 hour problem with your moving, but it's done and over with now. Oh my right? God. Yes. And next time, next time she's going to limit it to 45 minutes and take some action and 
nip that in the bud. So well, the next time, so when my house is ready, I've staged everything. So everything's in storage, literally down the street from the new house. It's all in boxes. It's it's ready to go. So all I got to do is hire a mover. And you're right. It's like, if you're not there, if I tell you to be there or we've contracted for you to be there at 9 a.m. You got 45 minutes. <laughs> you got 45 minutes because I had a 45 minute problem. I got 45 minutes worth of problems and a mover ain't one. There you go. There you go. So with that, we want to thank you for joining us for this episode of Life, Lemons, and Lemon Drops. Set those boundaries and then go have a lemon drop. So thanks. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us for Life, Lemons, and Lemon Drops. If you like our show, please share with your friends. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever platform you listen to this podcast. Your questions, comments, and feedback are welcome. You can find out more about us at lifelemonslemondrops.com. 